0: Welcome to Coach Bennett's Podcast, where every run has a purpose, where kindness is hardcore, where this is about running, and this is not about running, where every starting line is a finish line in disguise, where rambling still gets you where you need to be, where pineapple will never ruin your pizza, and the sodas, adult and not adult kind, are always cold, and where there is room on the starting line for everybody. I'm Coach Bennett. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. Let's get started. Welcome to Coach Bennett's podcast. This is episode 18, race day. That's right, race day. And we mean the entire day, the 24 hours leading up to the starting line of your race. And it's about more than scheduling, but it is about scheduling. And it's about more than dinner and lunch and breakfast, but it's about dinner and lunch and breakfast too. And it's about more than mindset, but it's about mindset. It's about so many different things and we're gonna go over all of them so you can get to that starting line ready to rock and roll. So, let's get started. Welcome to episode 18 of Coach Bennett's podcast titled, Race Day. That's right, we're going to talk race day. And the way I talk about race day is like the 24 hours leading up to the starting line and you crossing said starting line. So when I'm talking race day, I'm not just talking about the morning of. I'm talking about the morning of and the night before and the day before. I'm talking about a day, a full day when I'm talking race day. Now, what's the inspiration for this? I'll tell you what the inspiration is. I'm heading to Chicago for the marathon. That's right. The Bank of America Chicago Marathon taking place in Chicago. So while you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on opening day, which is a Thursday, there's a good chance I am en route to Illinois. I am en route to the Windy City. I am en route to Chicago. And I figured, you know what, since so many people have been running with the training plan for the marathon, because the main official training plan for the Chicago Marathon happens to be the marathon training plan inside the NRC app, and since this week, there's a ton of Of big time cross country races that are taking place. And because this week and in the following weeks, there are half marathons and 5Ks and 10Ks and full marathons. Did I already say that? I might have already said that because I'm not keeping track. So, half marathons and full marathons. There's cross country races. There's all sorts of races taking place. It's fall, it's autumn. And in the other hemisphere, it's summertime. So, there's lots of racing going on everywhere. So, I want to talk about race day which we haven't really covered, and I think it's absolutely important, and I think maybe there are some things that can help you as you prepare for the race. But before we get into that, I'm going to tell you about a couple of things that have been keeping me going since the last time we spoke, which was episode 17, and at the top of my list is the sphere in Las Vegas. Now, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it's a $2.5 billion building shaped like a sphere in Las Vegas. And there's over a million LED lights inside and outside. So when you're checking it out, I'm going to put some visuals up. But when you're checking out, it's it's incredible. It's already changed Vegas. And it's only been open for like a week. And the opening act was, you two. That's right. The Rockas from Ireland opened it up. And they've always been pushing the boundaries of what a concert is. I mean, when I was in high school, that was the Zoo TV tour that came out after their incredible album, Octone Baby. But anyway, the point here is that I've been watching some concert footage from The Sphere. Oh, my goodness. Just blown away. Absolute game changer, I think, for an experience at a concert. Because the screens are just, it's, you're fully immersed in this experience. It is unbelievable. Now, that led me to going headfirst into a U2 rabbit hole, which happens for me a couple times a year. I mean, they're one of my favorite bands. But if you're like me, you listen to music on your runs. And if you're like me, you listen to your music when you're in the car. And if you're like me, you listen to music when you're showering. When I'm writing, I'm listening to music. When I'm cooking, I'm listening to music. I have music on all the time. And I try to mix it up. So I have all different types of playlists. Uh, I think I've talked about some of the playlists that I've made um, on this podcast or during previous episodes. Like I have a like 40-hour plus 80s playlist. I have an almost 50-hour, it might even be 50-hour plus 90s playlist. I have Coach Bennett's mixtape, which has been around for a couple of years, and I think there's about 2,600 followers on that one. So I try to update that to keep everybody happy every couple of weeks and then um, I got asked about U2 in the last like 20 years so I made a playlist called U2000s get it because it's just their music from like the 2000s and on anyway so I decided to make a playlist and I went on a run last week and I, I really was exhausted when I started this run because the day before I had to drive to Seattle and back from Seattle to watch a cross country meet. So I I did about nine hours in about 10 hours because I basically got out of the car, got situated, watched the race and then got in the car basically and drove back home. So it was nine hours of driving and I just, I was hurting. And the next day I thought, you know, my run is not going to be very good because I went on this nine hour drive basically the day before my eating was suspect at best because of the drive. I had planned on actually stopping on the way home and eating somewhere like full stop, not fast food stop, like full stop. So I could actually have a good meal, but things kind of got screwed up with traffic. So I didn't, I, I had a, to be honest, I just had a, like a gas station meal on the way home. So long story short, everything was pointing at a very, very crappy run. And I started the run and I was listening to this playlist of U2. And I got to tell you, it was one of the best runs I've had all year. It might have been the best run of 2023, to be honest, not because it was especially long, not because it was especially fast, but it was so filled with joy. The, The sky was perfectly blue. The temperatures were nice. The music, I just fell into the music, and as a result, it made me just experience the run in such a good way. Like, I didn't forget that I was running. If anything, I was fully aware I was running the entire time. And I was just basically dancing. I mean, it was, it like, not to get, like, overly poetic here, but I was dancing the entire time. I mean, I was running, but it felt like I was dancing. Like It just became this kind of gray area where it was like, are you running or are you dancing? And to be honest, I think I was doing both. So, that's where I'm at right now. I've been listening to a ton of YouTube. I still am checking out new videos from The Sphere. I'm going to link some of my favorite ones. There's an especially powerful moment as they go from where the streets have no name into with or without you. And then you really need to watch all the way to the end of with or without you because the visuals are just striking. And that is the understatement of the podcast. So I'll be showing you some of that. And if you're not someone who listens to lots of you too, I challenge you to listen to some you too on your runs. Maybe start with my playlist that I'll have a link to um, that is called. I want to run to stand still, which is a mix of the first line of Where the Streets Have No Name with also one of their great slow songs called Running to Stand Still. I am so witty, it's painful. Probably painful for you. All right, let's get into this episode. Race day. Now, this is how I operate. I operate from the race backwards. So a lot of people will plan from 24 hours out and get to race day but I like to think about it this way what do I need on the starting line meaning how do I want to feel on the starting line so I start there lining up on the starting line whether that's you know in a grass field for a cross-country race or on a road for a road race or on or I'm on the rubber for a track race It, it it doesn't matter I I start at the starting line And then I start to rewind. So if you do that with me, and again, you don't have to have a race literally in 24 hours. You don't even have to have a race this weekend. But you should go through this exercise with me, imagining as if you're having a race. So do this exercise with me and pretend, visualize that in 24 hours time, you've got a race. So we've now fast forwarded 24 hours where you're standing on the starting line. And my question for you to begin with is, okay, well, when is the race? What time is it? Because that's really important. Is it at 7 a.m.? Is it at 8 a.m.? Is it at noon? Is it at 4 in the afternoon? I've had races that are at 10 p.m., 10.30 p.m., 11 p.m. at night when I was running track. I've also had races that were at 6.30 in the morning. And I have to run a leg at Hood to Coast at like 3.30 or 4 in the morning. So the best thing to do is start with, well, what time are you on the starting line? Okay? And then, where is this race? Because if you know what time and where you have to be, now you can start figuring out what do you need to do to get there. And I know this sounds so tedious, but I'll tell you what. A lot of the reasons why people show up to the starting line, stressed out, full of anxiety, have nothing to do with the running. It has to do with everything they did to get to the starting line that day. They did not anticipate traffic. They didn't know where they were supposed to go when they parked the car. Or they didn't know where to park the car. Or they were driving with someone And they hadn't figured out with them how they were going to do this. Were they going to get dropped off? Did they have to stay together? All of these things you want to figure out before they happen. Which is why this is such a great exercise. Okay? Everything you do in terms of running is in anticipation of that race or that effort that you're trying to do. For some people, it's trying to run X distance in X time. For some people, it's trying to finish in the top X places during a specific race. For some people, it's just trying to cover a certain distance on a certain date. So if you think of it that way, all of this running, the the training, the miles, the meters, the minutes you're running, the different types of runs that you're doing, they're all practice, right, for this moment. So what you want to do is you also want to be practicing in a way For all of the non running stuff, too, and which is what we're doing here on this podcast today, race day. I want you to think where and when, because if you can find out, which you should be able to find out, where and when, you can start asking those questions like, well, okay, well, where are we going to park? We'll just start with that. Something as simple as like, well, where are we going to park for the race? Okay. Well, if you know where you're going to have to park for the race, because you know where the race is and what time the race is, then you can think about when do you need to leave your house, your apartment, school, to get to where you need so you can park for that race at that place at that time. How are you getting there? What's the best way to get there? I've raced in New York City where the route has changed Getting to the city, depending on what time, if if it's a Saturday race at 10 a.m., I can pretty much go any way I want because I know the traffic's not going to be so bad. If the race is at 3 p.m., I really got to think about how I'm getting to a place like Van Cortlandt Park. Do I take the George Washington Bridge? Do I, do I do something else in anticipation of the traffic that we're going to have to deal with? So there's all sorts of things that you need to think about take into consideration what it's going to take to get to that parking spot or that drop-off site at that time, at that place, okay? And then from there, I want you to think about what time are you going to need to leave so that also, remember, that means not just what times you have to be at the race to give you sufficient time to warm up, use the bathroom, check in, do some strides, do some stretching, all of that stuff so you can get to the starting line relaxed and confident and motivated and ready to race instead of stressed and anxious, upset. So think about it. When is the race? Where is the race? Where can you park or get dropped off? What time does that mean you're going to have to leave your home, your apartment, school? So you have a sufficient amount of time once you get to the race site to do everything you need to do to race. And that's then going to tell you what time do you need to wake up? And it's the same mentality. What time do you need to wake up so you can get out of bed and not be rushed? What time do you need to get out of bed so you have enough time where you can be relaxed getting done everything you need to get done that morning? Which could mean having breakfast, going out to pick up food on your way, Maybe it's picking up other people on the way. Maybe it's getting to the bus if you're an athlete on a team. But remember, there's going to be a whole bunch of things you're going to need to do. You're going to need to get dressed. You're going to, need to, you're going to want to check your bag and make sure everything you need to bring is already in your bag because that's going to be the night before. We're going to talk about that. You're also going to want to do all of this at a cadence and pace that is relaxed. No stress. You know Why? because you don't need to have stress that morning. It doesn't mean there won't be stress, but there's not going to be any stress because you forgot to do something. There's not going to be any stress because you don't have enough time because you've built in that buffer time. So what I want you to do is think about, well, what time do I need to wake up to get to that next step, which is leave your house, your apartment, or school so you can get to where you need to be to park or get dropped off so you have a sufficient amount of time So you can warm up, check in, stretch, use the bathroom, do some strides, and get to the starting line in time. So you can be on the starting line, focused, ready, excited, comfortable. So after you wake up, because now you've figured out when you're going to wake up, I want you to be thinking about what are you going to do when you wake up? Well, if you're like me, one of the first things you're going to do is eat and drink and hopefully be a little bit merry And part of the reason for your merriment is because you've got everything you need. So I don't want to be searching for anything in the morning, especially food or drink, because I like to wake up at a minimum three hours before I race. I don't care what time I race. I need to be up for three hours before I race. That's me. I think that's how long it takes the body to go from not being awake to fully awake. Because think about it. Three hours is also incorporating the fact that I like to warm up an hour before the race, personally, which means two hours after I wake up at a minimum, I'm running, I'm warming up. And I also want to give myself enough time to eat and drink before I need to leave and get in the car and do all of those things. So that means I want to have everything I need to eat and drink already there, whether it's in my apartment, my hotel room, my home, Wherever I'm waking up, I want to have what I need. Now I'm a boring eater on the day of a race. Why? Because, well, I'm just more comfortable if I know what I'm eating is something I've consistently eaten before and it hasn't given me problems. So I'm like a pancakes guy. I'm a big fan. I love pancakes. I'll have pancakes. I'll have coffee. If there's enough time. Like maybe four hours, I'll even delve into some orange juice. But if not, I'll just have some water. Maybe I'll even have some Gatorade. But I want to eat and I want to relax. I want to enjoy the meal, which is tough for me because I'll tell you what, on the morning of a race, I'm I'm usually not hungry, which is also why I have ready something that I know I enjoy. Now, I may be a little nervous, so maybe I'm not that hungry because the butterflies are starting to bounce around, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to eat, which is, again, why I have something there on race day I know I can eat even if I'm not in the mood to eat because I will do things that are wonky and weird on race day because I'm nervous, because I'm excited, and one of the things that I usually do is try to convince myself that I'm not that thirsty and I'm not that hungry. Well, considering the fact that I was just in bed, for anywhere between seven, eight, or nine hours. It used to be nine. It's now probably more like seven. That means I haven't, at a minimum, eaten or had anything to drink in seven, eight, or nine hours. And believe me, I wasn't eating and drinking in bed when I passed out. So that probably means I haven't had anything to eat or drink in seven, eight, nine, more like 10, 11, or 12 hours. So I don't care what the butterflies are making me say. I know I need to eat whether I want to or not. I know I need to drink whether I want to or not, assuming I want to have a great race. So I make sure I have a meal that I know worst case scenario, even if I'm not, you know, looking at it saying, oh my gosh, this is a feast. I can't wait to dive in because I'm a little nervous about the race. I'll still eat it. And for me, like I said, it's pancakes with butter. Oh, baby. Yes. Maple syrup. Mm-hmm. Put it on some coffee, some water, and maybe some Gatorade. That's for me personally. You figure out what your version of that is as well, because you need to fuel the machine and the machine needs the fluids as well to operate smoothly and properly and at its best. So think about what you need to fuel and get fluids in your body the morning of the race and have it there already. Don't be going out and getting this stuff the morning of, do it before. So it's already there. You also want in your bag, everything that you need for race day. So that could be the singlet you're running in. If there's a number already with some pins, you want your racing flats. If you're not running in your trainers, I always bring extra of a lot of things too. Like an example, I bring extra socks all the time. Why? Well, if it's raining in the morning, before the race and then it stops raining and I have the opportunity to put on a pair of dry socks instead of the wet socks that I have on because it was raining initially, I'm going to put on the dry socks. But I can only do that if I've got a pair of dry socks. So I always bring an extra pair or two of dry socks. I bring an extra t-shirt or two. I bring an extra long shirt. I bring too much so I have enough. I would rather not bring too little and not have enough. Okay. So a lot of times when I come back from a race, I'm literally just taking clean clothes I haven't worn and just putting them back in my drawer because I didn't need them, but that's fine. I'd rather have it and not need it than not have it and need it. So I'm packing that bag. Now what else is in my bag other than, you know, extra apparel and my racing flats. If I have racing flats and extra socks and an extra hat and if it's even remotely going to be cool weather, I'll probably put some gloves in there as well because, again, I'd rather have too much than not enough. I also have a roll of toilet paper in there. Why? I'll tell you why. Because those porta-potties go through toilet paper like it's going out of style, okay? It is absolutely... A nightmare when you roll into a porta potty after you've been online for like 10 or 15 minutes and there's no toilet paper so I bring my own toilet paper that's what I do so I mean that's up to you but I'll just tell you you're never going to be disappointed that you brought toilet paper and didn't need it okay I will tell you this though you're probably going to write me personally if you've got toilet paper and you show up at a meet or a race and there's no toilet paper and you've got some toilet paper, okay? Now, if you want to really be super kind, bring two rolls of toilet paper. And if you go to a porta potty and there's no toilet paper in there, drop your toilet paper in there. Just leave it there for the next person. You've got some more in your bag. Don't worry. But this time, you can leave it there so the people behind you... And if you want, you can let everyone know like, Hey, there was no toilet paper in there. I brought my own. I left some in there. Everybody enjoy it. This one's on me and they will cheer for you because you're a hero. I also bring, uh, clothes for afterwards. Okay. So it's not just clothes for, you know, before and staying dry. It's for afterwards because if you're wet, if you're sweaty, you're going to want to put on some clothes that are dry. This is essential especially if it's cool or cold out because post-race you build up this heat and what happens is it then dissipates and now you're cold and you're wet and that's where you can start to have some issues so make sure you've got enough clothes a lot of times you can just put this in a backpack and if you have someone with you or teammates or friends or family they're just carrying your backpacks when you do meet up after the race you can open up that backpack and put on you can open up that backpack and put on the sweatshirt the long sleeve whatever you need so you can stay warm because remember it's not just about the race it's also about after the race you can recover as best as you can so you can run as best as you can at that next starting line okay but that's a, that's post race day is going to be another podcast i got to stop hinting at all these other things all right a couple other things is a fully charged phone you're going to want a fully charged phone i make sure i have my id and some of this stuff you're going to race with, some of this stuff you're going to have with your friend, but these are the things you want to anticipate and have ready morning of. So make sure that phone is charging overnight. Make sure your watch, if you have a watch like this, like a special kind of smart watch or a running watch is charging overnight, fully charged when you show up. Okay. That's what you want. You want to make sure you've got your wallet or your purse or whatever you have with your ID if it's needed. And all of this is not just laid out, it's actually packed. And if you really want to go for it, have a list of everything that's in your bag. So the next morning, you know what's in your bag. Because what I usually do is I, I pack really well, and I put it all in a bag. And then by the next morning, I'm like, wait a minute. Did I put in the extra shirts? Did I put in the toilet paper? Did I put in my racing flats? Is my singlet in there? And I and then I have to basically unpack my bag and then repack it. It makes sense to just have a little checklist. And listen, all races are basically the same in terms of what you need other than the weather and what's happening there. So you just have a checklist and you can just check, 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 check. So the next morning, if you're like me and you're like, wait a minute, what did I put in there? There's your little list. There's the checklist. And you can say, okay, I don't need to unpack everything because that's a waste of time. And we're trying to save time and be efficient with our time so you have enough time to just relax, right? So checklist. Okay, we can now bounce back to the night before because after you've woken up and you've checked your checklist and you've had your meal and you've left at the right time and you've parked or been dropped off and you've done all your race stuff so you can be relaxed on the line because you've warmed up and done the strides and used the bathroom and maybe you brought your own toilet paper and you're a hero to everyone in line. Now we can... All we were doing prior to that was sleeping. So let's... That's me rewinding back to you sleeping. So let's think about what you needed to do to get into bed to fall asleep as best as you could. Well, your environment is really important when you sleep. So let's talk about your environment. Okay, a couple of things that you can do setting up where you're sleeping and some of this you have control of some of this you don't. So here's a little rule as we go along the stuff that you have no control of. Okay, don't stress about you have no control. So you can try to make it as best as you can with the understanding I'm in no control. Here's an example. Like you want your room to be as dark as it can be. But if you're in a hotel and it's not as dark as you'd like, because maybe there's some lights coming through the curtains and the curtains are a little bit thin and okay, okay. but you know what you can do? You can invest in a night mask, a sleeping mask. That's right. They are fantastic. And I'll tell you why because they block the light out. And if you have less light, you're going to have a better chance to have a better sleep. So you can't control how dark the room gets up to a point. You can do everything you can. You can close the shades. You can turn all the lights off. But again, you don't have complete control over how dark it gets. But you do have control over whether or not you have a sleeping mask. So make sure that's packed because you can wear that. The temperature in your room you may have some control over it. You may not. Again, if you're in a hotel room or you're uh, you know, staying with a friend or something like that, you may not have complete control. You could ask and you can do your best to say, how low can we get this? And you'll be surprised. It's, it's like 64 degrees, I think, is kind of the optimal temperature, right around the optimal temperature that you want your room set for to have a good sleep. That's pretty cold that's pretty cold, especially during like the hotter months, getting a room down to that cold is is sometimes not going to happen. But what you can do is, is you can set things up again to sleep as comfortably as possible. Okay, so that's what you're trying to do setting the room up to be as cool as it can be. And if it's not as cool as you want it to be, okay, that's fine you can set yourself up. So maybe you're a little bit cooler. Maybe it's a cold rag that you're putting, um, on your neck while you're sleeping with that night mask on. Maybe it's taking a shower right before bed. So like you're a little bit cooler. Maybe it's setting up a fan. Um, because that, that kind of noise, sometimes that white noise that comes with a fan, um, is, is also really nice. At least if for me, I love having a little bit of noise but you can kind of be setting that on you as well. So there's a bunch of things you can do to try to make it as comfortable as possible the night before so you can have the best sleep possible. Now, before you get into bed, what's the routine? You want a routine, and this is something that you don't just do the night before a race. This is a routine that you do every night you can because if you can develop a routine for going to sleep, your body's going to think that you're getting ready for bed, that you're getting ready to sleep. It's going to anticipate falling asleep. So if you have this kind of like wonky haphazard thing where every single night it's a little bit different, that may be one of the reasons why you don't fall asleep as easily. So come up with a routine. The one that you have at home, even if you're not at home, try to keep it. Do you read in bed for a little while? Do you have like a little sleepy time tea before you go to bed? Something like that. That's fine too. Go through this process, okay? go through I, I personally think you should stay away from screens but for some people they like to relax with a little show but whatever it is be consistent and your body will consistently react to it it doesn't mean that it'll react sometimes every once in a while differently but like I said there's a few things you can control you can control developing some type of routine before you get into bed so your body knows it's time to start shutting down and go to sleep it gives you the best opportunity the best chance the highest likelihood that you'll fall asleep so bring that book and read in bed that's that's personally that's what I like to do and and listen you can if you're staying away from home and you have a noise machine at home then then bring the noise machine with you like these are those little things if you have a small fan next to your bed pack it Is it a little extra space? Yep. If it helps you sleep better, if it helps you be more relaxed, more confident, less anxious, less stressed, pack it, bring it. Don't question yourself. Just do it. Okay, so if we rewind from there, let's just, let's go to dinner. I love dinner, by the way. Oh, all I'm thinking about right now as I'm recording this is dinner. I would love some like really hot spaghetti and meatballs in an Italian restaurant. And I'll tell you what, that's one of the things that I go to the night before a race. Why? Because my body handles spaghetti and meatballs really, really well. It's nothing crazy. I love eating it. I know I'm going to eat it all. I know I'm going to enjoy it. It's comfort food for me. I enjoy it. And that's what you want to do. What is some food that you will enjoy the night before? What is some food that is a comfort food the night before? But in order to do this, you have to start thinking about all the things around the meal. Are you eating at home? Great. Then make sure you've got what you need to make this dinner. Figure out when you want to eat. And make sure you've got what it takes to eat. If you're eating out, if you're traveling, plan ahead. If spaghetti meatballs is your go-to thing and you're traveling for a race then make sure you're doing your due diligence and you're finding out where can I get spaghetti and meatballs. But it's not just finding out, oh, here's an Italian restaurant. You also want to call and find out what it's going to look like at the time you want to eat. So let's say you want to eat at 6.45 on Friday night, the night before the race. It's not enough to know there's an Italian restaurant in the town. You need to call and say, hey, I want to eat at 6.45 there. I'm coming from out of town. Do you take reservations. Because if they take reservations, reserve the table. If they don't take reservations, ask, what do they think the wait's going to be like? Because they may say, at 6.45, it's going to be like a 40-minute wait. Well, if you want to get seated at 6.45, that means you need to be there at 6. These are the things that you can do ahead of time. I'm always surprised when people walk in to an Italian restaurant the night before a race, and they act shocked that there's a long wait. What What are you shocked about? Do you think you're the only person who thought of this? everyone thought of it. So plan ahead, call the restaurant. They don't care. They're going to take your call and you'll be so thankful getting there at six with a book or with a friend or whatever, a fully charged phone and you chill out and you relax and you sit and you wait until they call your name and you go down and you're eating your delicious spaghetti and meatballs and you're not stressed and you're going to see people walking in stressed. And then what you can do on the way out is say, Hey, you know what I did, which is what you should do next year call ahead of time because they don't take reservations or show up about 40 minutes early. These are the things you want to do. And give yourself a window of, of like, we'll call it like a comfortability window. Where you're like, you know what, I, I, ideally I'd like to eat at 6.45. I called and they said it's going to be about a 45-minute wait there. So you know what, I'm going to be okay if it takes like 75 minutes or an hour. And what you can do is you can just show up a little bit earlier. Or you can just resign yourself to, you know what, I'm okay if it takes that long. A lot of times the stress comes from us wanting something that can't be. So give yourself the gray area of like, it might take longer. That's what it is. There's no reason to stress about it. Having these conversations with yourself really do help, I'm telling you. And how do I know that? Because I've had to have these conversations with myself or with my team or athletes that I've coached or people that I'm with supporting them at races. It's good to go through this. So think about what you want to eat, do some digging where the best place to eat this is and then call the place. And you may have to have a couple of options. An A, a B, and a C because if you're in a situation where it's like, "No, this is I'm not going to wait an hour and a half." Okay, then call another place. Okay? And if you have people that live in that area, even better, you can ask them for recommendations because sometimes it's just an extra 10-minute drive is going to save you a 40-minute wait or an extra 20-minute drive is going to give you a really extraordinary meal. So these are the things you want to be thinking about ahead of time so the night before is as easy, as relaxed, as comfortable, as stress-free as possible. And the other thing is to think about is like post-dinner. What do you want to do post-dinner? Do you want to go back to the room? Or maybe you want to go for a walk. Maybe that's something you like to do. Maybe you want to sightsee for just a little bit again, you know, keeping in mind, like you don't want to be on your feet too much, but at the same time, it's okay to move around. It's okay to be active. You know, you you don't have to basically be in some like oxygen uh, tank, like one of those weird, like uh, capsules with pure oxygen and you know, like you're like you're time traveling, like relax, like you've done an amazing amount of training to get to this starting line. Walking around for 15 or 20 minutes after a meal is not going to screw up your race. Thinking that 15 or 20 minutes walking around a meal is going to screw up your race might screw up your race. But that's a mental thing. That's not a physical thing. But think about what you might want to do after the meal. Maybe it's go get some ice cream, something like that. Like when we're in Eugene, there's this great ice cream place, oh my goodness, that I'm going to get no matter what. I, I I don't care. It's too good. You know, I don't care if I have to race in the morning, it's not going to affect me, especially if I come back to the hotel room and I feel so good and I'm so happy because I got mint chocolate chip with extra rainbow sprinkles on the top and the bottom, which is what I always ask for. But anyway, so think about little things like how are you getting to the restaurant? What time do you need to leave? You know, those are the things that I know I mentioned, but I'm kind of reiterating now because those are those teeny little things that can cause some stress. And if you rewind, there's this other great meal prior to that, and it's called lunch, okay? So think about lunch. Like, what do you want for lunch that day too? Because if you can string together a couple of stress-free, really satisfying, delicious meals, I'll tell you what, you're going to have a great day the day before. Because a lot of times those things, like where we and which I'm going to get to in a second, like the run the day before or travel the day before, the meals the day before, these are the things... That can just freak us out. And they can they can kind of knock us off the horse. You know what I mean? That we're on and everything's smooth. And suddenly these little things can just screw with our psyche, our mentality, our mindfulness. So think about what you want, you know? And again, something I, I personally go what do you want to enjoy? Because for me, the most important thing the day before when it comes to food is that I eat it. So it's stuff I enjoy. Does it have to be the healthiest stuff in the world? No what's most important is that I'm eating well the day before because this fuel is going to help me tomorrow. So for me, I'm probably going and getting like a nice big sub ham turkey provolone with uh, lettuce, onions, hot peppers, banana peppers, a little bit of oil, drench it with vinegar, and then uh, maybe a little dash of oregano. And if I'm feeling frisky, I'm going to crumple up some S&Vs, some salt and vinegar potato chips on that bad boy. And then I'm going to eat it up with a cold Coca-Cola in a can. And if there's no Coca-Cola in a can, then I will have Pepsi in a bottle, but I will not have Pepsi in a can, nor will I have Coke in a bottle. So anyway, that's what my lunch is going to be. And then the last thing which doesn't have to be the last thing because it could be sprinkled at any other point during the day. But I didn't want to tell you when you were going to do it because it's really up to you. So this is kind of like the the, the flyer, the one that's just kind of, it could be in the morning, could be in the afternoon, could be in the early evening, is your run. Now, some people don't like to run the day before race. Personally, I, I have to. I love running the day before race. I love the shakeout because it's, it's to me, it's a pressure-free, stress-free, easy run. You know the hay is in the barn. I'm just going for a little shakeout run. That's it. I love it. You know, it's just 15 to 30 minutes for me, tops, and I'll do some strides afterwards. I just I love it. I love everything about it. The vibe, especially if you're in an area where there's lots of other people getting ready for this same race, whether it's a road race or a track meet or a cross country race. Um, I love it. I. I don't really care when I do it. I'm not one of those people that have to do it at race time. It it just doesn't matter to me because it's such a small volume and it's at such a low effort that if I'm doing it 24 hours before or 12 hours before the race, it just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But what I do like to know is when am I doing it? When is it falling into the schedule? So things like lunch and dinner and travel can work with the time that I'm going to run when is the best time to do it? And where am I going to do it? Because I'd rather not leave these things up. If I've scheduled all this other stuff, like what's in my bag and when I'm waking up and where I'm going to eat and what I'm going to have for lunch, all of this stuff is in scheduled, And then I'm like, well, where am I going to run? I'd rather know where I'm going to run. And ideally it's, it's near the race course. If I can do that, Sometimes it is the race course. Sometimes it's near the race course. Or sometimes it's just a really cool place that I have access to. But I do want to be thinking about where and when I'm running. And it's, it could also be like before I leave. It could be at, from home or at school. And then we take off. But I, I want to be thinking about that. okay? Because when I know when I'm running, I also know what's next. And really what's next for me is, is, well, I mean, it sounds like all I do is, is eat and drink stuff, which is kind of what I do. I mean, you have to do it to survive, but yeah, I want to know what kind of food, what kind of drinks do I need to have at what time after I run? Cause that's what I want to do. I want to be fueling and getting fluids and relaxing for the 24 hours before the race. And I want to do this shakeout run because to me, It feels good. I like to keep my body moving. If I've been consistently running for a long period of time, for me, the whole tapering idea is kind of crazy to me. I I, I like to look at it as sharpening. I'm not going to throw my body into some totally different week where the mileage goes down by like 85%. Like your body's going to be like, what are you doing? You did all these long runs. You did all these workouts without tapering. And now you have a race and you feel like you've got to just cut everything out. No, you don't. So I like to know where am I going to do my run because I want to do a shakeout run and some strides and feel good. I think a shakeout run should be a confidence booster, if nothing else. Now, speaking of confidence, the day before—I mean, we just covered a ton of stuff for you to be thinking about and planning for. Which all of this, in if you're going to do it the right way, is you're going to have to be anticipating. Which means it's really the week ahead that you're making sure the day ahead goes the way you want it to or as close to the way you want it to as possible. But like I said, as the shakeout run is a confidence booster, having this schedule in place, this plan in place, this itinerary in place, hopefully gives you confidence about the day before. Knowing, hey, I've got all my boxes ready to be checked. I've got everything I need. We've got enough time to get there. I feel good. But the mind can be a tricky thing And the mind can want to mess with you. So here comes the Mindset Minute. That's right. I'm bringing in the one and the only mindset coach extraordinaire, Tammy Bennett. That's right. Coach Tammy of the Show Up Society is going to come in and give us a tip for race day. And the cool thing is, is she knows what it's like because not only was she a division one distance runner for UNC Chapel Hill, she ran for Nike for a little bit and she's been a running coach. So she's been in our shoes. So without any further ado, coach Tammy, take it over.
1: Have a little chat with yourself and tell yourself that you are going to love yourself, you are going to be proud of yourself, and you are going to celebrate yourself no matter how this race goes. You're going to have unconditional love and support for yourself no matter how this race goes tell yourself, I'm proud of you for getting here. I'm proud of all the things that you did to get you to the starting line. I'm proud of how brave you were all those times in training. And I'm so proud that you believed in us enough to get us here. This is important because if you know that you have at least one person out there in the world, that's going to be cheering for you and celebrating you and so proud of you and loving you, no matter what the outcome is of that race, once you cross that finish line, and by the way, that person is you. If you know you have that person, that support, Person, it is so much less scary to take on this challenge because you know that no matter what, at the end of the day, you're going to be celebrating, you're going to be having dinner or drinks, and being really proud of yourself. So, the last thing you need to tell yourself is, All right, it's time to go have some fun.
0: There it is. I love it. I love that tip. And I think it's so important to use, not just for race day, but maybe any time you've got a big workout coming up, or you know what, you can use this outside of running too. You've got a big day, and that could mean anything. It could mean a presentation, an exam, a test. It could be a conference. It could be something where you have to present something. It's a big day, a big moment, and you know what you need to do? You need to go in and say, I'm going to perform as best as I can, and regardless of the outcome, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself for the work I've done. I love that. Coach Tammy, thank you, and I think it's something we can all use right away. All right. Next is the mailbag. That's right. We are back in the mailbag. Last week, we brought the mailbag back, and now I'm just saying mailbag and back over and over and over again. So I'm just going to go straight into the mailbag. For whatever reason, this mic cuts out all the crinkling noises, which I'm going to have to figure out because I just want you to hear me going through lots of mail. All right, here we go. This comes from Madison, Wisconsin, which is a great running town, and this is Jill... It looks like Jill Wohler. Wohler or Wolin? Okay, I'm going to go with Wohler. All right, so, and if I mispronounce your name, I'm sorry. All right, Jill writes, Dear Coach Bennett, I'm training for a half marathon on November 23rd and I'm doing well. Awesome. My question is this, how do I stop the cycle of feeling down and sluggish all winter? I lose, a lot, I lose a lot of fitness during the winter and feel like I start over in the spring. Every damn year. I'm a female runner who isn't completely comfortable running in the dark and I live in Wisconsin, not the best climate for winter running. Thanks Jill. Jill, awesome question. Let me start by saying good luck with the marathon. In fact, you know what? I'm not going to wish you luck. I'm going to wish you joy. I think that's a better thing to bring to the starting line cuz you don't need luck. You did the work. Fitness dictates results. So go out there, do your best, and you're going to have all the luck you need because you brought the luck with you. You earned it. I wish you some joy, though. Okay, moving on. All right, your question. This is an awesome question, and I'm fully aware that Wisconsin is Wisconsin. So this is a great example. Rather than comparing the winter to probably the spring or the fall and the summer, because I think that's an unfair thing to do. Okay, Almost everywhere, it's an unfair thing to do because in the winter months, in a lot of areas, like Wisconsin, for example, the weather is not very good, to say the least. And it gets dark really, really early, which makes lots of runners uncomfortable because they feel unsafe. And you can't have a great run when you feel unsafe. There's a difference between doing a tempo run and trying to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's, that's a positive type of thing that you're dealing with but we have these feelings of true anxiety and stress associated but we have these feelings that are real about being uncomfortable because we feel unsafe that's different so respect that and this is what i usually try to do each winter i try to compare my winter to the previous winter to past winters because I'm not trying to match what I did in the fall, which was where I got the baton from, right? I mean, fall handed the baton off to me in winter, and I'm like, I feel great. I've been running consistently. Well, that's not going to happen in the same way in the winter. So what you need to do is look at the winter and say, okay, one, I'm going to compare my running this winter to last winter. How can I improve it? Okay, where can I maybe run more or maybe just run better, but run less, So maybe it's not as many days or maybe it's less time because we have less daylight hours. So maybe you're running shorter runs, but maybe they're a little quicker. Maybe you're doing more speed runs because you can condense the work. And again, less time, less volume. It's harder to get that distance and duration in large quantities during the winter. The other thing that you can do is incorporate other types of fitness during the winter to work on areas that maybe you're weak on. Maybe it's strength training. So you're not running as much, but you're doing a lot more strength training. So when spring arrives and you start running more, you are physically stronger. You're a better athlete. So maybe you're doing some sports that are incorporating side to side movement. You know, maybe you like basketball and you, you join a basketball league. Cardio is involved in basketball and it's, a, it's basically one long fartlek. Same thing with soccer. Sorry, global football. There's a lot of indoor sports you can do that are going to tax you, stress you in a really positive way that is going to make you a better athlete and maintain your fitness. And in some ways, get you fitter because you're a stronger athlete. You're a better athlete. You're a more powerful athlete. Yeah, maybe you're not uh, you've, you don't have the same endurance that you had in the fall or the summer when you were going out for much longer runs more consistently, but there are a lot of different ways where you can get better that don't involve long distance or duration runs or consistent runs. You can work on becoming a better athlete so you can become a better runner. And you can look at it as giving your body a little bit of a rest, like treating the winter as, Not an off season, meaning off, but maybe it's like a JV season. You know, if the other three months you're kind of like varsity runner, like this is is your JV season. We say, okay, I'm going to back off a little bit on purpose. It's a choice. I'm going to run less miles, less minutes, less meters, less days, but I'm going to incorporate more cross training, more sporting endeavors more activities. So when the weather starts to turn, not only am I ready to start running, but I am a better version of the runner I was. I'm ending the winter as having tools that I did not have when winter started. I'm starting spring with a potential I did not have at the end of fall. Because I've been working on different aspects of being an athlete. Now, when I started um, working with Nike, uh, I I came up with a bunch of, I called them my truths in terms of coaching. And one of them, I think it was truth number two, actually, um, was become a better athlete. All runners are meant to be athletes. And too often we get kind of tunnel vision and we only focus on the running. And when we do that, we are not creating a better runner. In order to be the best runner you can be, you need to be the best athlete you can be. So look at the winner as an opportunity to work on things that maybe you're not going to be working on as much during those other three seasons. Great question, Jill. Thank you so much for it. And good luck with that Wisconsin winter. Woo baby. Wisconsin winters, they 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 start in the fall and they end in the spring. I mean, it's it's basically like a Wisconsin 9 months. I mean, that's basically what winter is, but in, enjoy those those few months. We only get a few months here where it's sunny. You only get a few months where it's not snowing. So I guess you got to pick your poison. All right, thank you Jill and have a great winter and enjoy that marathon on November 23rd. Okay, everybody. That's that's about it because I got to wrap up I got to edit this and then I got to pack and I got to get ready to go to Chicago. I hear there's something going on a big party and I want to be a part of it. So thank you to everyone that listens to coach Bennett's podcast. I really appreciate it. If I could ask you a quick favor, please share the podcast with friends and family and teammates It really means a lot when I hear people saying like, my friend told me about this, my spouse told me about this, my partner, my teammate, my coach shared the podcast with me. It it means a lot when I hear that, you know, so many of you are sharing the podcast with each other. Thank you for doing that. If you haven't subscribed yet on Apple, on Spotify, please do that, follow along. And if you have the time, maybe you do, maybe you don't, leave a rating. That helps too. So thank you everyone. And until next time, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and I'll meet you on a starting line down the road. Thank you so much for listening to coach Bennett's podcast today. And if you're not already following or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening, well, I really wish you would because it helps a lot. Also check out the show notes because you'll find a link to coach Bennett's newsletter as well as all the social media sites that I'm on. Places like Threads and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon and YouTube and even the artist formerly known as Twitter, whatever that dumpster fire is called today. You'll find a link to it because I'm on there. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself.